And welcome to Shattered Lives, a lively, educational, and issues-driven radio show designed to tell another side of the story, to focus on and humanize crime victims, to enlighten and shine the spotlight on organizations and service providers, and to assist those who walk the path with us. This is Donna Argor, a.k.a. Lady Justice, your host, with my co-host Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, welcoming you this Saturday evening and every Saturday evening for nearly the last three years to bring you educational shows, to bring you shows uh, regarding increasing awareness and enlightenment and um, hopefully entertainment, primarily on the aftermath of crime. And I think with this evening we even have to um, add to our list in my little script here with regard to spotlighting organizations and service providers, we also have to to um, to uh, add the um, to the list authors because we are on the precipice of a very important venture here this evening. And um, uh, before I tell you about it, I just want to welcome uh, Delilah. Good evening, and uh, how are you? Is can you tell us something new and exciting about what's happening with you and ImaginePublicity.com? Oh, it's been it's been just a whirlwind week. Every it seems like every client's got something going on this week, so we're we're doing a lot of preparation and promotion of all the different things. But you know, I think I'm really excited to get this guest on. Let's skip the howdy do's and all all of that and the weather report and just just bring them on. Let's go. Okay, I didn't ask about the weather, but anyway, um, this. Uh, this evening, we are very proud to uh, present Steve Jackson, who is a prolific author who I believe started out years ago as a journalist and crossed over to uh, becoming uh, a, a true crime author. And uh, not only is he an author, but he is also the head of a true crime um, organization that features other um, well-known writers as well as budding writers, and we we have a chance to be able to feature them in the coming weeks in a series uh, of which I am very proud to do. So, Steve, without further ado, thank you so much for joining Delilah and I on Shattered Life. It's a pleasure to have you. Well, thank you, and good evening or good afternoon, depending on what part of the country you're in. <laughs> That's right. That's right, for sure. So your afternoon or evening. Um, you know, um, like I say, this was a new concept for us to do, and um, uh, we're, we're always interested in being on the cutting edge. So thank you, thank you so much for uh, being willing to kind of um, experiment with us and, and feature a number of your colleagues. I think this is going to be a very interesting venture. And, um, you know, you, you've written something like six six books or so that have been very well-received, uh, award-winning, and, and whatnot. But I think we'd like to, to start out with um, talking about Wild Blue Press because that is, my understanding, your, your brainchild and kind of what, what, what that is and, um, and, and how, how it evolved. You know, it's, it's something unique to kind of bring together people in the true crime <clears throat> genre, isn't it? Well, uh, yeah, we we are uh, a a new, I guess you'd call us an indie publisher, even though we don't think of ourselves as 
just an indie publisher. And um, right now we're doing true crime, but we also have some crime fiction writers and plan on getting mm-hmm. into the other genres. Um, uh, the the uh, genesis of the of the program or the publishing company was oh several years ago. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine, Ron Francel, who was also a, a noted true crime author, and we were talking about how uh, traditional publishers. Uh, uh, unless you're in that top uh, 5% or so of of authors, they, they're not doing a lot for us anymore. Their uh, marketing is, is nil, non-existent. Um, mm-hmm. They're very narrow on what they're focusing on. Uh, it's hard to uh, even experience. And uh, myself, I'm a New York Times bestselling author. Um, hard to get anything through anymore. And... Um, but on the other hand, my friend Ron, was, uh, who had uh, been experimenting with some self-publishing, was commenting on the, um, the problem in self-publishing, which is that there are millions of people self-publishing books now and trying to get heard above the white noise of the Internet was increasingly difficult, um, if not impossible. So it happened to be about a, a week or so after that, I was talking to an old college friend named Michael Cordova, uh, who was, was truly the Internet before Al Gore was the Internet. And he's something of an uh, online marketing uh, guru, and, and he started uh, talking about the things we could do as authors to get ourselves out there. And one of the, the ideas was to form a consortium of authors so that um, through name recognition and uh, cross-pollinating and all of that sort of thing, we can get up in the uh, the search engines and and on Facebook and places like that. Wow! So, so how long have have you existed as Wild Blue Press? Well, we published um, our first book in August, which was Bogeyman, my book, um, and we have since published um, five other books and uh, are just rolling from that. We have 19 books uh, scheduled to come out this next year. Wow. And so we are, we are trying to grow uh, not too rapidly because we're trying to keep our quality up and mm-hmm. make sure we do things the right way, but we are, uh, there, is a, there is a call for this. Uh, authors are tired of the way we've been treated by the traditionals, and we're out to start a, an entire new um, paradigm for authors in the 21st century. Wow. Well, and, and well, I Steve, would imagine... Can you, go ahead. I was just going to ask, Steve, can you okay. give, you know, budding writers a little advice here as far as, you know, where publishing was yesterday as compared to where it is today? Um, what is it that authors like yourself and Ron Francel and Burl Bearer and a lot of others, what is it with with publishing houses that you were used to? What were you getting that doesn't seem to be available anymore? Well, um, in the, what I guess what I'd call the old days, uh, you know, they, they would, uh, you know, there were advances so that you could afford to write. Um, there were, there was marketing that went into books so that uh, even if the advances weren't weren't large, there was a possibility of books making money into the future that would at least uh, you know pay minimum wage on writing a book. Uh, you know, all all of us authors avoid trying to add up the hours and divide them by the 
the amount of money we have uh, to get out of a book because it would just be depressing. But in the old days, there, there used to be um, uh, more of that, more marketing, more of an mm-hmm. advance. Uh, and once you kind of made your bones, especially as a, a bestseller or uh, award winners, uh, you know, you, you sort of climbed up the ladder. Um, but now that that's all kind of disappeared a little bit. Um, so it's, but on the other hand, uh, what the traditional publishers didn't have to deal with in the past was the advent of self-publishing. You know, in, in other words, we don't, we don't need them the way we used to. Uh, the problem again is that there are so many people and uh, varying degrees of quality uh, uh, as far as writers and that sort of thing. So readers have a harder time discerning who is good and who isn't. But, um, you know, something something came along that the traditional publishers weren't counting on, which is the ability to uh, publish ourselves and, and get ourselves out there. Right, that's true. What... Um what percentage actually now no you you did start out as as a as a, a a journalist a reporter right before you started composing your own books correct i did i uh well i, I did the the traditional routes in some ways mm-hmm. of you know became the editor of the college newspaper and mm-hmm. uh went into newspapers right after that and worked for uh, essentially till um 2000, 2001 in newspapers, in a, a variety of types of newspapers. Uh, but I've essentially been um, just an author uh, since about 2001. I see. Yeah. Is, is there a large percentage overall, Steve, that of uh, people that kind of cross over from journalism to becoming their own, you know, independent authors and and trying to, you know, write that hot book, et cetera? Well, I, I, I think it goes the other way. I think the, a large percentage of people who are authors, who especially in true crime, came over from journalism. You, you know, you, uh, uh, you have the crime beat writer or the courts reporter who uh, finds a good story and, and turns right. it into a book. And uh, they want- I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there's a, you know, percentage-wise, a lot of journalists who become authors. It's, a, you know, it's a, still a pretty small uh, group and. Yeah. There we go. Well, what's your um, what's your philosophy or your particular approach with writing? I know the book that we are going to get into a little later in terms of Bogeyman takes a a different approach to you know a topic that everyone seems you know very interested in serial killing. Um, but it, do you have your own identified style, and you know how is your style or formula worked? Well, um, I, I write in a number of different genres, so I just I'll stick with the true crime here. Um, and that uh, when I when I write true crime, I, I really avoid uh, the uh, blood and gore type books and the details of crimes and um, that sort of thing. I'm I'm looking to tell uh, tales, uh, uh, you know, heroes and villains, and I tend to concentrate on. Uh, the idea that you know there may be monsters out there, but there are monster hunters. Um, mm-hmm. I deal with the psychology of crime and its its aftermath. Um, mm-hmm. But I I'm, I'm really avoid books uh, that are simply about about the uh, latest uh, worst crime or the 
the most, most uh, the know, sensationalism. Of it, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not the author that's going to do a Jody Arias book or or something along those lines. Um, I, I I'm looking for stories. It, it's hard to say in true crime. Uh, people raise their eyebrows when I say, but I'm looking for a good message, uh, a message of hope, and a message that, uh, like I said. Uh, if we're talking about a lot of monsters, there are also monster hunters, and they may be law enforcement or the heroics of a particular victim or a particular mm-hmm. uh, witness or something along those lines. Now, there, there seems to be a commonality of, of those authors that I've spoken with, both locally here and other people, where they want to tell the human, the humanistic aspect and, and tell a particular story that has not that has not been told. There's the main story and there's the back story. And, and then all of, like you say, the heroes that are the unsung heroes. And I keep hearing that, you know, repeatedly. And I think people, especially crime, crime victims and crime victim families, gravitate to that because that also gives us hope. Do you agree with that? Well, uh, I do. I, you know, I, I think uh, crime stories are, are are our earliest type of story. I think you, that people told crime stories in the caves way back when. Um, you think about Beowulf, uh, which is essentially a crime story. There's a, a murderer and there's a hero and there's the impact on the village and the community and and even uh, uh, the the monster in the the. Uh, the story has uh, some character and some emotion and some uh, feeling behind it and and reasons why uh, uh, behavior uh, occurs as it does. Um, yeah. So I think we've always liked these stories. I think we've always told these stories. Um, I think sometimes true crime writing uh, just... Uh, kind of goes into an area where... Um, it appeals to simply uh, uh, prurient interests of, you know, oh, what a horrible thing happened and let's talk mm-hmm. all about this. But I think the truly good true crime stories tell us something about ourselves. They're a mirror on society and where yeah. we're at and how we respond to it. Um, Definitely. I, I think it, it's, it's, it's a, larger, a larger scope and, you know, you, you look for that larger message to tell people and, um, can you tell us a little bit about how you how you've gone about uh, ch- choosing the particular right or, uh, other authors that you have with, within your group? Is there a particular process, or do you, you know, as you've met people along the way, or do they have to formally apply, or, or how does that work? Well, we do have a, an application process. People can go to the. Um, uh, our website, which is wildbluepress.com, and there's mm-hmm. an about us uh, section in there, and for interested authors, and we've uh, we've met some people that way, and some people who will be coming on this this year have uh, have come to us. Um, when we first started out, uh, our our concept was to go with um, best-selling, award-winning uh, authors that who we knew had uh, great quality to their work. Um, part of the problem we think with um, uh, the, the self-publishing industry is that is readers have no idea how good is something. Um, you know, if they buy something, they spend their hard-earned five dollars and ninety-nine cents 
whatever, are they going to get something that was well-written, or was it uh, something somebody banged out on a typewriter because they thought they were a writer, and now mm-hmm. it's out there with all the rest? Um, you can't even always trust all the, the reviews. It could be somebody's mother and 15 cousins. Um, so <laughs> right. we we tried to start with people who I knew personally. Um, yeah, I knew the quality of their writing. I knew the quality of who they were as uh, as people. Um, that's why Ron Francell, I've, I've known him for, oh, probably 15 years. Uh, Caitlin Rothers, another um, Burl Bear, I've I've known him for probably ten years, both through his radio show and some of his writing. And mm-hmm. um, I recently met uh, Kevin Sullivan and John Farrick, who are two of our newer newer writers, and and they all seem to fit that same uh, concept of they're they're trying to turn out quality work as opposed to banging out uh, story after story, just hoping to uh, make a little money. Mm-hmm. Well, now, Ron. So, I mean, when you when you take on a new writer, let's say you know not the caliber of you and Ron Frenzel and Burl, um, are you offering services for the new writer as far as editorial um, coaching? Is there something like that that you have set up, or maybe something like that in the future for Wild Blue Press? Well, we we do to an extent. We we are a publishing company, so. Um, as I, uh, we have a new uh, one of our new authors coming on, uh, Bradley Nickel, who is a uh, detective with Las Vegas Police Department, and Bradley had quite the story, a, a personal story to tell, and uh, came to us, and um, you know, we really put him through his paces. We, we, uh, I went over his stories. We're big on focus groups, so I, I turned his manuscript over to uh, a readers group who. Uh, read the the manuscript and came back to us with their suggestions and we went back to Bradley and and asked him if he would uh, take it to a, an editor. Uh, we don't have the facilities to uh, our capability right now to to edit all of the stories. Um, mm-hmm. I met Carolina Sarasa uh, uh, through uh, Diane Montaigne, who is a, a a very good true crime writer herself. And um, Carolina was is new uh, to the writing business, and but very sharp. Uh, she's a journalist out in Los Angeles uh, for television, and just seems to have a natural feel for for writing. So I've sort of taken her under uh, my wing, as I do with uh, uh, several other um, writers, and am uh, putting her through the paces as uh, going from everything from learning how to outline and. Uh, build a story and the importance that I think in dramatic nonfiction because I really believe in the story that she's writing. I think it will mm-hmm. work out good for Wild Blue Press. I think it will work out well for Carolina, and I think the readers are really going to like her book. Well, great. It, it sounds like it's a wonderful vehicle, you know, in the making, especially for these for the for the for the new people. Um, do you have any particular goals in the future for the organization as a whole? I mean, is there some, you know, uh, long-term goal that you have? As, as well, you know, we kind of know your short-term goal. You're kind of building your roster and want to keep the quality going, right? And and the diversity. Well, yeah, we're 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 planning on uh, building slowly so that we can keep the uh, um, the quality up. 
Um, our long-term goal, our, yeah, I started this show, I think, with talking about, yes, we're an indie publisher, but sometimes people get an idea of, well, an indie publisher is picking up the scraps of what the uh, traditional publishers uh, don't want, but we see uh-huh. ourselves as becoming the the face of publishing for the 21st century. We are our plan, uh, big plans are to compete with the big boys, um, except for to do it from uh, a writer or an author's uh, perspective, um, championing the cause of authors, trying to be there for authors. We we call ourselves a publishing company by authors and for authors, and um, and we'll go from there. Uh, we believe we can take them on. We think that uh, is we, somebody keeps asking me, uh, well, uh, if this is such a good idea, why aren't the traditional publishers doing it? And our response is that that's asking uh, dinosaurs to become mammals because the climate has changed. So <laughs> we have big plans. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's wonderful. I, I think we always have to have something to to aspire to and um uh, what what has been the response so far i mean uh, are you just inundated with with people who are interested or or what uh we're getting quite a few responses um mm-hmm. more than we can uh actually keep up at, with at the moment so we the nice part about that is we can uh pick and choose uh right yeah. now and and kind of um match the uh, uh, who's coming in with our concept of, of how we want to keep the quality up. Um, that's not to say that people that we don't uh, jump on right away aren't uh, quality authors, and we're trying to get to them as we build. Um, mm-hmm. we, are a, we are a small operation at the moment and, and trying to do our best to keep up with it, but, uh, you know, we, we do encourage. Uh, if you think you've got a good story and... Um, and you are a good writer, and uh, to to come to us and apply to us, and and uh, like I said, we are concentrating eighty mm, percent anyway on established, experienced um, authors, so that when we tell our readers, hey, if you spend your money with us, you're you're not going to be unhappy. Um, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I want to encourage new writers and new authors, um, like the two people I've mentioned and others. Um, to come to us, and uh, you know, if if we can uh, work something out and get them through our focus groups and all that sort of thing, because we are reader driven too, um, then I, I'm I'm hoping to give new writers uh, the opportunity that I was given a long time ago. Yeah. At, at what point in the process should they be before they approach you? Is it that they have a manuscript completed, or um, you know, is there a particular say, well, we would look at you, but it's too early? I mean, is there a particular point? Well, um, with with new authors, uh, brand new authors in particular, we would like a, a manuscript to be completed. Um, you know, somebody who has experience, they have some books out there. We at least have uh, something we can look at. Um, right, they tend to have they have what everybody, uh, Delilah knows more about this than I do, but the, called a platform, and they've uh, established this, and, and everybody keeps telling me, you need a platform, you need a platform. And I'm like, I have a platform, but, you know, it's on my deck. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do with it. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, the, the, the experienced authors uh, know more about this they and are, tend to have it. 
Um, right. So with the new authors, we like uh, we'd like uh, the full manuscript. It doesn't have to be um, the most polished manuscript in the world because what we'll do is we'll take it to one of our focus groups, true crime or crime fiction, or as I said, we're moving into other uh, genres, and we'll give it to them, and it'll come back, and if nothing else, you get a sort of a, a critique of your manuscript, and then we hand it back and say, this is what people are saying, and and generally there's there's sort of a, um, some breakdowns. Some people we'd take on right away. Some people are just naturally gifted authors, or uh, there are people who we we have hopes for, but they need some editing help, and we suggest they um, they go get that. And there are some people where we just have to say you're you're not quite ready for us yet. Sure, sure, I I understand that. Um, would you like to to get into a little bit with regard to um, each person in giving us like a thumbnail sketch of what we're going to be, who we're going to be talking about, either the the author themselves or the particular book we'll be featuring in this series, uh, Steve. Well, sure. Um, I believe the next person up is Kevin Sullivan, right. and uh, Kevin Kevin has a new book out with us. It's actually a feature. We have two types of uh, works that we're turning out now. Well, one are the uh, full-sized book, you know, in the ninety thousand word um, area, and then but we also discovered that, and or I've been thinking for quite some time that, you know, there's all these great. 30,000 word stories these you know what used to be covered in a in magazines like the Atlantic or 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 something and uh, but there's just wasn't a way to get many of those out unless you put them together in a compendium like uh, Anne Rule does so we call them uh-huh. features and we put them out for Kindle singles and we will be uh, turning them out in box sets but anyway Kevin has a uh, a feature out with us called Vampire uh, the, the Richard Chase stories which is uh, a historical true crime about Richard Chase, who was known as the Vampire of Sacramento. Um, and it's quite a fascinating study of, of uh, uh, a man's descent sort of into mental illness uh, and uh, in the sort of monster he became, but also the detectives who uh, worked this case and went after him. But a fascinating historical true crime. But Kevin also has a fairly popular book out called The Bundy Murders and um, sort of a compendium of everything he ever wanted to know about Ted Bundy. And he's written a couple of books about George Armstrong Custer. So he uh, he's sort of all over the board. Quite diverse. <laughs> yes, he is. And a very interesting character, and as you'll find out when you, you have him on your program. Um, okay, uh, the, sounds good. The next, yeah, he, he is. He's, Kevin's quite the character. Uh, the next... Uh, person up, I believe, is John Farrick, and John has uh, a new book out with us called Dixie's Last Stand, which is an interesting book um, in that it raises the the issue of, uh, it it deals with domestic violence and one woman's uh, um, uh, experience with it and at what point uh, she snapped and, and killed her husband, and it sort of brings up, and we've been getting quite a bit of response, uh, people debating this this issue about at what point does um, it become self-defense or, or murder. As we know, it's it's just such a, a tough Very subject. controversial. Yeah, it is. Sure. And it, um, 
and this is a this is a good uh, good study of it. Um, and I think John pretty much just lays it out there. And and from what we've seen from our readers who are getting back to us, which is great, we love that. Um, is it's it's raised a pretty good debate about it. Um, John also has another book called uh, Bloody Lies, which is uh, a fascinating story about. Uh, well, it started with a murder case, but it's it's more about the uh, the CSI investigation and how one of the more famous, uh, I guess, the, um, uh, pathologists or uh, investigators uh, in the Midwest was planting evidence um, to uh, convict people. And it's sort of, wow. uh, this is, and yeah, it's uh, one of those that makes you just wonder about, you hear all these, oh, convicted with DNA, convicted with DNA, and, and all of a sudden you find out, well, here's how easy it was to, to plant this evidence and, and get some people wrongfully uh, convicted. So. Convicted. That sounds like a page turner to me. Wow. It is Ooh. a page turner. And, and just about <laughs> everything, John, John's a good investigative reporter, uh, with up in Wisconsin, with uh, uh, Gannett has a particular investigative uh, reporting team up there, and and John leads that team, so he's a he's a great uh, investigative reporter. And then well, I think after it. that is, is it Burl Bears? Yeah, Burl's up and, and and talk about characters. The uh, <laughs> the the self-proclaimed uh, uh, wonderful Burl Bear is. Um, I know I know a little bit about him. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. Yep, and he's and as you know, Burl Burl is is uh, uh, quite a character. He has a radio show on at at the exact same time that your show is on, and Burl is so excited about being on your show that he's going to make somebody else do his show. Um, is that but, right? Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. Well, now he's, you know Burl he's arrived. Burl will do that. Really? Yes, okay. Well, I'm, I'll have to send his flowers or something. I don't know. <laughs> Well, that's that would be a good idea. Burl has a book with us called Man Overboard, which he actually wrote 20 years ago, and this is the the anniversary of uh, the 20th anniversary of this book, and it's it's sort of a it's an unusual true crime book. In fact, it's been described as the funniest true crime book you've ever read, um, which is you don't usually get that with true crime. It's it's almost more of a, uh, if you remember the movie anyway, of uh, Catch Me If You Can, um, mm-hmm. sort of about a character and his uh, sort of crazy life once this guy falls overboard and is proclaimed dead and decides to make the most of his second life. And um, But it's, it's, it's quite a... Kind of on the lamb, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and he, he assumes a whole new life until he eventually turns up alive again. Um, but Burl and his his way, Burl is just one of those. I I can't write humor myself. It just uh, you know falls dead in the water. But uh, uh, Burl is is great at humor and the little asides and the one-liners and and he can take a, a true crime book and actually make it funny and um, and that's that's what you'll be doing there. And Burl has a new true crime coming out for. Uh, Wild Blue Press that I believe is scheduled for May or June, um, yeah. and I'll let Burl talk more about that when he he gets to it. Okay. Uh, is it Caitlin Rother is is on next? Uh, up yeah, the Caitlin Caitlin Rother's the next Naked Addiction. Uh, addiction? Uh, uh, yes, book? Naked Addiction is the book she has out with us, which is 
Um, uh, crime Fiction is one of our crime fiction books, and it was the first book. Caitlin is a uh, award-winning uh, journalist in San Diego. She was up for a Pulitzer Prize uh, as a finalist. Um, she's a New York Times best-selling true crime author. But Naked Addiction was her first attempt at writing books. It was a novel, and she wrote it, and it got published, and then the publisher went under. Um, so it never really got out there, but it's 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 one of those books that I've always found it fascinating because I do write some crime thrillers myself. Uh, mm-hmm. The difference between a true crime writer who writes crime fiction and somebody who's never written true crime and writes crime fiction, um, you, you tend to see a, a little difference. There's uh, nuances that a, a, a true crime writer knows about the justice system or police procedures or, or that sort of thing. But she's written quite a good yarn with Naked Addiction. And Caitlin has uh, uh, has a true crime uh, through another publisher that was out not too long ago called Lost Girls, which is uh, a wonderful true crime book, um, very well written. And, and in that same sort of... Uh, what we like to talk about as far as uh, the the impact of, of violent crime on a community and uh, the people involved uh, afterwards. Um, and, it's, and it's quite a good story. It was actually fairly controversial. Uh, there, one of the families of one of the victims was not very happy about uh, the story coming out at all, which is something that tri- uh, crime writers run into on occasion. Um, but uh, Caitlin handled it uh, very well. With um, she's a she's a very decent, um, thoughtful person, and um, I thought she handled uh, the whole situation, both the writing of the book and what came after, with mm-hmm. um, you know real class and uh, empathy. Uh, but anyway, Caitlin, you'll have Caitlin on there talking about that, and then I think the last in line of, of the people we have right now is Ron Francell. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is another crime fiction book by Ron, and Ron is all over the board too. He writes uh, great, great uh, true crime books. One called The Darkest Night. He uh, is finally out as an ebook, and that that is uh, an incredible true crime book. I I place it in one of the top five all time as far as I'm concerned. Um, and uh, he's got another one coming out very soon that I'll let him talk to you about through another publisher. We're we're very, as I said, we're very into our authors. Uh, we don't mind uh, at all um, pushing their books that they do through other authors. Uh, we want them to be successful, so uh, we'll push that. But I'll let Ron t- uh, talk to you. I'm not sure of the exact stage of announcing on his new book, so I, I better keep my mouth shut as far as t- telling you much about it. And well, then after the that, one that he's going to talk about is called The Deadline, is that right? The Deadline. And and this is a book, uh, uh, it's actually a part of a series. He wrote The Deadline and he wrote um, The Obituary. And it's it's about, Ron is from Wyoming and he was a newspaper man in Wyoming. And these are stories, the heroes of his stories are, of course, a newspaper man up in Wyoming who solves a number of crimes. And, and once again, these are are crime fiction books written by a true crime writer. So you, you're kind of scratching your head wondering, is this true, is this not true, as you read it. And um, and I think you'll enjoy it. And Ron's just, uh, he's one of those writers who is just so good at his craft 
that it doesn't really matter if he's writing crime fiction or true crime. He's written a wonderful memoir of a, a trip he and his son took up to the Yukon to, called the uh, Sour Toe Cocktail Club. Um, and he's just, a, he's just a, a joy to read just for the way he puts words together. Um, so I think uh, people will be very interested we'll be inter- to yeah. hear from him. Well, that's, think, that's wonderful. Then we have Bradley coming up after that. He's the Las Vegas uh, police officer. And then Carolina Sarasa, who is, uh, as I said, she's a uh, uh, newscaster with the Latin station out in uh, Los Angeles who has a, a phenomenal <coughs> book coming out about uh, uh, two gang members who have turned their lives around out there. And that yeah. wraps it up so far. Well, well, that's great. Uh, just a, a quick last question about that: Is it a coincidence that most of them are are males? Are you, are, or are you trying in the future maybe to to strike a balance between, you know, uh, male and female authors, of, you know, of the same quality, or is it just kind of the luck of the draw that these were the ones that came to the top? Uh, so far, it's been the luck of the draw um, and coincidence. Uh, Caitlin was actually. Ron was probably the first uh, author I approached, but Caitlin was the second, and um, mm-hmm. and de- definitely instrumental in just the whole concept behind Wild Blue Press. Uh, you know, we we didn't just Mike and I didn't um, didn't just sort of invent this and say, okay, here's the way it's going to be. We went back and forth with Ron and and Caitlin particularly, and um, for quite some time, just saying, how should we, how should we form this? What's the concept behind mm-hmm. it? What, what are we trying to accomplish here? And Kaylin was instrumental in that. Um, other than mm-hmm. that, it's mostly been uh, we've we've talked to a couple of other um, female uh, authors and uh, who we're still hoping to get on board. But you know, maybe they're a little more selective. I don't know if that's a, a female quality or or whatever, but. <laughs> Um, they've been they've been a little harder to to land so far, but uh, we're still hoping. We have yeah. uh, a, a couple of people who we um, are talking to and and are very oh. hopeful that they'll come on board. But so far, it's it's uh, purely coincidental. I'm I'm looking for writers. I I could care less if they're male or female, really. Well, that's that's good. Yeah, it just sounds like you had the group has so much integrity, and you're very concerned about you know the the quality and and the message that they have. So it, I'm, I'm very enthused for you, and I hope this is an extremely successful venture, and I hope it really takes off and you become the the, the top of the top. Um, you know, it, it is very exciting. Um, we we have about. 20 minutes or so uh, left to our show and wanted to know because we did advertise that you um, you know your your most current book the book that you you have been talking about most recently is Bogeyman Um, would you like to discuss that at this point in regard to the different perspective versus you know, just focusing mostly on the characteristics of the serial killer, it is a different bent. Yeah, it it is a different book. Um, I'm actually very proud of Bogeyman. Uh, you know, I, I guess authors always say they're very proud of their their book, especially their latest book, because that's the one they're trying to get everybody to buy. But um, <laughs> yeah, Bogeyman to me is 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 different in that it's a, it's a book uh, nominally about a uh, serial child killer. And as most authors 
will tell you, you they steer clear of, of books about um, children being murdered, um, and uh, they're a hard sell. And uh, because uh, I'm a I'm a father of of three wonderful girls, and it's just hard to to deal with. Um, what what made this book? I was actually talking to the main, main detective in the book. Called uh, his name is Gary Sweet. He's um, right. out of the Garland Police Department down in Dallas. Um, and uh, uh, I was down in Dallas covering another trial that he was involved in, another cold case trial. And I was talking to him, and uh, as authors will, we I said, so do you have anything else good that would make a, a good book? And he uh, looked at me and he said, well, uh, the case I'm most proud of is this, and he told me a little bit about this case. And what struck me about that is normally you ask a detective that there, and if they're interested in talking to you at all, they are... Um, they they uh, they try to tell you what here's my most exciting case or here's the the case where you know I um, really went up against this guy or here's the mo- the most horrible of the guys that I had to deal with. But when Gary said um, the case I'm most proud of, I I recognized that there was an emotional element um, to this case for him. And at first I was like, wow, you know, I I know he's um, this is a big case to him, and it meant something to him as a police officer. And he's a great big guy and uh, tough as nails sort of police officer. So um, it struck me. But then I was saying, well, but it's a child killer. Um, how do you write a book about a child killer uh, that people will be interested in? And and that and, and I try to be very selective. I I go through periods where I I can't write true crime anymore because I have to step away from it as well, and so I was concerned about how I would uh, react to this one. And then as I talked to Gary and I talked to a couple of the other detectives, um, I realized that the way to tell this story was through the detectives and what they went through. And to try to talk, you know, we don't often hear about it. Like I said, Gary's a great big guy, and he's tough as nails, and, and... and sometimes we have books where the police officer is involved or he's very tenacious and stuff, but we don't often get into um, the impact of violent crime on police officers, especially detectives mm-hmm. who right. track these sort of cases. Um, mm-hmm. So I started thinking that, uh, you know, uh, maybe I can tell this story in a different way. I'm not going to go into lots of details about what happened to the children. Um, I'm not going to even talk that much about the the killer. Uh, you know, I'll do what I I need to to explain who he is and what he is. Um, right. But I wanted to I wanted to talk about the detectives and their families. I started talking to the wives of these detectives, and and early on, one uh, Gail Bradshaw, uh, the wife of Bruce Bradshaw, another detective who had been working on this case since January 1989. Um, she said, had made one uh, comment to him at one point that uh, this little girl had come home with him on January 19th, 1989, and never left. Um, mm-hmm. you know, she had wow, that's very telling, isn't it? Yeah. It is. To be, be in his mind all of that time. How have the law enforcement community responded to this book and your approach? Uh, the, the law enforcement resp- uh, community has been... Um, overwhelmingly uh, uh, appreciative of 
book. Um, you know, I think in these times where you, you we're seeing how bad cops are and it's all over the news and all over YouTube and all over all the Facebook things and, and it seems like they can do no right. Um, I think, uh, law enforcement who, you know, um, we we all hear the bad apples thing. There's bad apples, but I don't think law enforcement gets uh, many passes for their bad apples compared to all the bad apples who are lawyers or politicians or journalists or or anything else right. like that. Right. Um, and are think, there lessons in there for for um, family of victims of crime for the family um, who might read this book and maybe change their attitude toward um, law enforcement, if if they've been embittered by a bad experience or what they see on TV, et cetera? Well, you know, I, I think uh, we, we we are all creatures of, of our own experiences, and it's hard to tell somebody who maybe had a bad experience or um, things didn't turn out the way they, they did, to, well, you need to think differently now because these people had a, a good experience. Had a good, these, mm-hmm. these officers were did their did their job and uh stuck with this for twenty some odd years um and wouldn't let it go um it's it's hard to hard to tell them to think differently and i uh, right. you know you can't blame them for thinking the way they do um i think as a community um we can learn something from a book like this and and say you know these guys go through a lot um you know, trying to investigate uh, the death of a child. Uh, it's not something that you, you know, get to the end of the day, close the folder, go home and go bowling and not think about it anymore. Um, right. You, know, mm-hmm. you find these guys, they have the, the photos of of these children on their on their desks at, at work and at home. Um, they go home and they something strikes them and they get up in the middle of the night and they go try to check uh, those notes, or they, um, in the case of one of the officers, as you know in the book, uh, it destroyed him. And so, you know, to to not understand um, what officers go through, the the 99.9% of law enforcement who um, are there to protect and serve, uh, you know, it, it maybe it does help put the word out there in the community that, uh, you know, the, these are the real guys. These are, are used to be our knights in shining armor. These uh, used to be our Davy Crockett's, um, you know, and they're still out there. And, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe they Very deserve dedicated. a little. dedicated, yeah. And, are there, and, there, and truly their families do have to take a back seat, and they kind of know that going in, don't they? And they just kind of live with that. Well, you you know, a, a lot of departments now they they sort of when a when an officer or actually a police academy and I've been to a couple of these where they actually meet with um, wives or girlfriends or whatever of officers who are coming out and they try to tell them they try to tell them this is what the life is going to be like, um, but until you've lived it, uh, how do you really know um, the impact of this on your family? I think it it takes as tough a spouse, whether it's a man or a woman, um, to be uh, a spouse of an officer as it does to be an officer sometimes um, because sure. they are gone. 
they're horrible, horrible hours. Um, every time they walk out the door, um, you know, they're, they're certainly more in the line of fire than any of the rest of us, unless you're in the military. Um, and, and just if, if you think about it, if you thought about if you were investigating um, murders, and especially the murder of a child, um, how would you react when you came home and you saw your children and they're playing in the, uh, in the yard and, and you're thinking, uh, what a wonderful life I have, and yet over here in, in the back of your mind is, is what happened to some other family and some other child. You know, that's, that's a lot to ask somebody to, to deal with. Sure. Yeah. What are some of the elements, Steve, that maybe we would not necessarily know? I mean, prior to reading the book, although I did read the synopsis and, and heard some other information on a different show, um, what are some of the things that maybe we're not aware of that, that these officers go through that would, would kind of in, enlighten us? Anything in well, particular? Um, you know, I, I think it's, a, you know, and I've been doing this for a lot of years, uh, not just in books, but through journalism. And, and I think this book, more than, than anything I've worked on to this point, really sunk home that, that uh, idea that this, this isn't the sort of job that you can, you can leave at work. It's uh, mm-hmm. the job that follows you. Um, it's the job that you think about all the time. It's the... Um, you know, and, and if we're talking about a good person who's got a lot of empathy and is in the job for the right reasons because he wants to help people, um, it's almost like you, you'd almost rather have uh, detectives who didn't care, you know, just simply because, you know, maybe it's not going to be uh, so traumatic and hard on them. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think that what really got me on this one was uh, the impact on some of these families. Um, everything from the kids, you know, one of the, the nicest things I've heard from this, uh, this whole affair was the, the, de- the t- detective who was essentially uh, destroyed by this case, and his marriage was destroyed, and, and he was estranged from his son. Um, I saw a note on Facebook not too long after the book came out, and it was the son writing to one of his friends on Facebook, and he described his dad as, this is my dad, the hero, and his dad had passed away about six months ago um, wow. before the book came out. And to me, um, because all I'd heard was how the son was estranged um, from his father, his father was gone all the time, and then his father uh, sunk into this, this other other side, and so he didn't know the, the detective who was um, smart and funny and and a good police officer, all he knew was this kind of wreck of a man. Um, and to him have read the book and recognize what a hero his father was. Um, that must really be very affected, special. Yeah. It affected me. It was it was probably the nicest thing about a book that I've ever heard. Were the, were the dad and the son able to uh, communicate before he died or reconcile or anything? No. Um, they were getting there. Um, and in fact, the, the almost the sad, the other sad part of this story is that he appeared to be coming around a, a very smart guy. I mean, this, this detective was, uh, you know, he wanted to be a medical doctor. So while he's working at, as a detective, he's at medical school. Um, he uh, oh. was writing a book. He went to, 
I think it was Columbia University after he got out and stuff, but he just couldn't get away from um, this case. It it just it really did uh, impact him. him but he was starting to come back. He was, uh, you know, I, I talked to his ex-wife and and they were all actually hopeful. He was starting to be funny again. Uh, some of the messages they'd get were were like the old guy, um, Bob Holloman was his name, by the way. And mm-hmm. that she had big hopes for uh, the son and him being able to to reconcile. I don't think it ever completely got that far, um, mm-hmm. but uh, at least maybe now uh, I was able to provide a connection there. Right, and the book will do that. You know, there's there's so many there's so many good things that um, books books can do, and you know, this is sort of healing a relationship, and that's very touching. Um, you know, we're we're just very excited about hearing about the other ones too, because again, that's sort of a backstory, and that's very in, intriguing to me. Uh, Delilah, did you, do you have any other particular uh, questions you might want to ask, Steve? In the, we've got a couple more minutes here in closing um, with regard to Bogeyman. I don't know if we have time well, to get into I'm, a lot of detail. Go ahead. Right. What? Yeah, I, I kind of want to know what what's down the road, Steve. What are you working on? What's next? Oh, what's next? Uh, War and Peace, <laughs> uh, the, the next great American novel. Uh, you know, I'm I'm constantly writing. I'm uh, I, I do have a, another crime thriller I'm getting out. My my next true crime. Uh, well, I have a couple of features I'm working on, but my next true crime book. I wrote a series of stories um, years ago called uh, Dealing with the Devil. And it's, it's sort of uh, the impact of a violent crime on two different families from the uh, one of the perpetrators' uh, side and one from the, the victim's mother's side. And it's, it's really the story of two moms um, and how their kids sort of uh, meet tragically um, uh, at, one, at, at a point in time, but sort of just studying all the, the background of, of that, it's, it deals with gangs and it deals with, um, you know, what kids are going through these days uh, so young, um, and it, it's. Uh, so I'm hoping to get that book out uh, here in the in the summertime. It's it's been one that I've I've had a number of people uh, who knew about the series of of magazine articles I wrote on it who've been pushing to have it out as a book, and I think it's uh, it would be a good one. There's some new things that have happened news wise. Um, that sort of bring it back up to the the front, and but I'm always looking for a a good new book. I like I said, I, I do have my great American novel that you know all of us authors are always working on because um, that's that's the one we want to be remembered for. But you know also I think I have twenty some odd books out now, so I'm doing okay. Well, it it sounds it sounds like you're very busy man. I don't know, uh, you know, proportionally how much time you spent with uh, with regard to the publishing company versus writing yourself and, you know, you can only split yourself so many ways, but I but I marvel at, you know, people that can do that. But I guess I do that myself in my own way, but we all do what we think we need to do and make our priorities and, you know, I I'm, I'm very hopeful again that this series is is really going to um Touch, touch our audience, and they're going to learn from it. So, you know, again, I, I, I can't thank you um, I, 
any stronger that that this will be sort of a different kind of platform for shattered lives and and one that's sort of been overdue, I think. And uh, we look forward to seeing Kevin and John and Burl and Caitlin and Ron and Bradley and Carolina. So if we can connect with each one of those and you become part of, part of our Shattered Lives family, so the better. Well, I, you know, we really appreciate it too. And, um, you know, the uh, in, in these days, you know, we're having to, we need to and we enjoy uh, contacting with uh, the radio shows and, it's been fun and interesting to to talk to different people. Delilah knows I, I also have something I'm trying to get her to work on for me, um, uh-huh. which is near near and dear to my heart. But um, she can talk about that at some it's other gonna point. It's going to happen. Yeah, it'll yeah. happen. But, uh, okay. Yes, it's slower than, than we wished. <laughs> it has always But if anybody's interested in our people and what we're trying yeah, to do, whether it's audit- Go ahead. Yeah, we're we're wildbluepress.com, and yeah. uh, you can pretty much go there and and tool around on the on the website. There's there's lots of exciting things going on there, and find out more about our authors and whether you're an author or a reader. Um, we appreciate you showing up. That's great. And and just so that people know, is there? I'm sure that seasoned authors do not. Is there a financial investment upfront to be able to? Um, to join the organization, or is this just sort of a, a sharing and you you work with your expenses as they come, so to speak? Right. There, no, there's there's nothing up front. We're a, uh, we're a publishing company. Um, yeah. We we take on the expenses at the beginning. We there's there is some um, uh, expense expenses come out of some of the gross revenues and that sort of thing, but. A lot of it we're just kind of taking on ourselves, and hope, hopefully we'll be paid back someday. Um, well, but you're a but great no, man, we, Charlie Brown. <laughs> yeah, but but we don't want we don't uh, we're if we accept you, then then all the the book covers and the editing and all that sort of thing are are handled up front, and and we'll roll from there and see how we do. Well, that's wonderful. Um, very, 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 very impressive. So we will continue to promote this um, even beyond our series because it's, it's something that, you know, I think is very important for us to do, and I'm sure we will. So we look forward to having Kevin next week. Um, and please, please do stay in touch with me, Steve. We've got other things in common, you and I. And so we will uh, close out this evening's episode of Shattered Lives. And we'll we'll um, stay in touch out there. So, Delilah, thank you so much. Thank you, every, uh, everyone who has been listening. And don't forget to check the archives. You can listen at any time, anywhere. So, uh, good evening, everyone.